0: Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, founder and CEO of ReliabilityX, and we are here today uh, with Mr. Jag Gattu. And Jag is founder and CEO of Uptime AI. Jag, welcome.
1: Thanks, George. Uh, Pleasure to be here.
0: All right, Jag. First and foremost, uh, what is Uptime AI?
1: Yeah, so uptime AI, um, we essentially offer a solution that uh, mimics subject matter experts in terms of solving reliability and uh, process and performance problems in um, asset and process industries. Um, so it's a pure software application that we offer that helps operations teams uh, solve you know equipment failures or energy efficiency and performance faster with less effort.
0: And so it's uh, it learns over time and interacts with the physical staff and makes recommendations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially, our solution is uh, designed and developed to mimic subject matter experts. So it does three things. One, you know, it is able to predict the problems in the first place, whether it is you know, related to equipment reliability or whether it's related to process issues or performance issues, number one. Um, then it also helps you diagnose the root cause by showing how things are interrelated um, and giving you prescriptive actions in terms of how you can resolve them. And third, you know, it automatically learns from what the users are doing, whether they accept the recommendation, whether they solve it or they reject it. So that, and this is the same process that a subject matter expert actually, you know, um, learns to become the subject matter expert, and the solution is um, a virtual expert that actually mimics the mimics um, the SMEs.
0: Okay, so uh, you said so many things there that that I, I've got to break that down and compartmentalize it. So, um, first. So there's a broader application than just maintenance, right? I mean, you've got the reliability of the operation staff and how they do setups and which operators do it better than others. And and your system would learn uh, and let them know, hey, look, you know, don't tweak that dial. That's not the right thing to do here. Is that right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And um and that's the beauty of the solution is that it can continuously learn from what is working, what is not working. Today if you see, you know, a lot of the enterprise customers, you know, they have multiple sites and they know that, you know, one site has a high availability or low maintenance cost, the other side, you know, has more costs in it. right? How do you normalize? You develop, you know, documents and you do trainings and you know, but We all know when there's a problem, you're not opening the document and you're not starting to read the document, right? So what our application is doing is actually taking the learnings continuously and making them into recommendations, which grow and evolve over a period of time to make it the fastest and and the best possible way to solve problems.
0: Oh my goodness, I love it. All right, so (laughs) I'm gonna throw a scenario out at you. You tell me, yes, we do that. Yeah. All right, so we've got a manufacturing facility. They've got some packaging equipment. One of them is a case erector, right? It creates a case at a target uh, procurement has this this goal. The company has this goal of lowering cost to produce and so, you know, the procurement folks negotiate cheaper target So the targets not necessarily to specification and, you know, just like every, many organizations, they don't have an incoming inspection, but they know what the specs is supposed to be. They, the, the right. case director does i load this poor car get in and so it creates issues in the machine can right. your solution tell me i've got bad incoming raw material versus what usually happens which is call maintenance maintenance comes in they physically change the equipment to operate the bad car get, and then when good car gets gets loaded later they have the exact same problem your your solution helps with that yeah
1: yeah so um See, exactly. And um, basically another example is, you know, if you if you look at a chemicals plant, right, uh, sometimes, you know, your incoming chemicals or your raw material has um, certain changes in the composition that may create problems in your overall you know, product output, right? Um, similarly in a soap manufacturing, you know, your raw material that is coming in, you know, might have higher viscosity, that could be causing, you know, um, more defects in your soap, right? So basically, so what we're doing is we, the solution is automatically tracking all the parameters of the inputs, right, um, and what's coming out, and it can identify abnormalities, what's changing, and it can also point out that um, if this changes, so for example, you know, let's say if the viscosity of the fluid increases, it can also provide you a recommendation saying that, you know, you should add in more liquid or more steam, or you should open up this valve, right? Um, And even those recommendations, application is continuously learning to understand which one is most likely to happen.
0: And then if you you do take that physical alteration, it learns later what the success of that was, right?
1: Exactly. Because, you know, we, we, our solution also integrates with, uh, with maintenance systems. So CMMS, you have SAP PM or IBM Maximo or something else. So what the application is able to do is when you take a recommendation, we can automatically generate a maintenance work order uh, that goes into your CMMS. Um, And when you solve the problem, the operator can actually see within our application that the maintenance order is complete and whether the issue is resolved or not. In using that information, the application is learning that hey, I mean, you know, I take this action and it took me one week to solve this. Whereas, you know, if somebody else in a different unit takes, you know, recommendation two, then and, and they are able to solve it in three days. Application also knows that they were able to solve in three days using that second recommendation. So the third time this issue happens, application knows that recommendation two is better, right? Um, and it will give and. Many times in the plans, right, we know that if you start seeing an issue in one line of packaging, right, it it is also likely that similar problems can happen on other lines or, you know, other process
0: units. Yeah. So, all right, again, I'm just blown away because there's so many applications for this from product quality to, to reliability from a physical reliability perspective. But it's all reliability, right? Am I reliably creating my product at the right quality for my customer and at the right rate? So when you say it answers the question of, well, was option A or B better? Is the client deciding what better looks like? In other words, is it speed? Is it number of units? Is it quality? What What defines better? And does the client have control over that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the list of recommendations that we provide, you know, we have a standard library, uh, of for you know various different asset types, right? Be it pumps, you know, uh, motors, fans, you know, compressors, turbines, boilers, heat exchangers, um, you know, chillers, uh, and so on. So our application by default is able to suggest what are the you know what are the uh, right recommended actions, but. You can also um, you know, add your own recommendations. If the site has you know, something particular that works for them, they can always add that. Um, that's, that's number one. So there's options for customization, and it's very easy to add your own recommendations. Now, on the other part, you asked about how do how does the application figure out you know, what's the best, uh, best, you know, how does it learn, right? And that depends on um, that's where you know the statistics and how we segregate the information like for example like you said you know it is a combination of how um, how frequently it is getting resolved and um, meaning you know, how um, how many times user took this action right um, how many times they were able to actually fix it faster and it's a combination of um, those metrics and basically the application looks at how likely is this recommendation, you know, um, solving this, uh, likely to solve this problem faster.
0: Okay. And it's all based on, you know, design rate of the, you know, how do I get back to design rate and optimal quality, or if it's a, a batch process, what a golden batch looks like, like those are the inputs to, to helping to make those choices.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, what we do is uh, we, because our solution ultimately, you know, we, did, we, we developed it to solve problems, right? So we also have performance curves and, you know, we also show uh, compared to the design limits, where is the equipment operating? That's number one, because, you know, that defines your absolute best, right? And at the same time, uh, we take also a data-based approach to look at, you know, what is your golden badge, right? And using the golden badge to then figure out, you know, what are the changes and what should you do to take it back to your golden badge.
0: And then on the standard, we'll say equipment reliability side of that. So pumps and boilers and heat exchangers, you're looking at efficiency or the pump curve and you're you're basing it based on the known reference standard of, of performance.
1: Correct. Correct. Exactly. So we have both options. You know what, what um, I could essentially also in our application, you could see the thermodynamic efficiency, the pump curves, right? Um, both the pump curves as well as the efficiency. So, for example, if you take a boiler, we can also show indirect losses within the boiler using thermodynamic you know calculations, right? But at the same time, we also utilize the data-based approach to look at uh, you know, past data and then identify what has changed, what has changed. So there are two aspects. One, you want to make sure if there is deterioration, you identify that and what is changing and how it is happening. Second, you want to make sure that at the end of the day, where you're operating is closest, or if not, you know, absolutely on at on target with your design.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, there's lots of advantages there, right? One is just the energy efficiency piece, right? I mean, if my refractory is breaking down, the, the other and stack temperatures and all kinds of other things or uh, tubes in a boiler, you're, tr- you're just gauging the efficiency, which has an energy consumption uh, impact. In addition yeah. to that, instead of saying, hey, we're going to take the tube bundle out once a year and dip it, you can assess whether or not that actually has to happen on an annual basis and save money uh, by potentially extending that six months or or until your system says, "Hey, yeah, we've lost enough efficiency, um, go dip the bundle," and then on, the, and then on the other side, from a from a operational perspective, y- you can look at you know engineers design things in bands, right? They say in order for us to make a good product, we need pH, between between A and B, and we need temperature between here and here. But they don't truly know the correlation between all of those parameters being at their upper limit, all those parameters being at the lower limit, or one being up, one being down. No one really knows the impact of product quality based on that to that level. Your system solves that issue.
1: Exactly. And one of the common issues that we see is, you know, there is some excursion. I mean, you know, the, the challenge with the bands is that you put them too narrow, then you have too many alarms. You put them you know, too wide, then you have bad quality, right? So, and, and we often see if they are even a little bit narrower, right? Operators justify, yeah, there's a little bit of spike because, you know, today the temperature is too much or the humidity is high, right? This is summer. So, you know, but then it's, it's kind of qualitative. It's subjective. There is no... Um, you know, it's it's hard to correlate with so many different parameters that are all working in conjunction, right? And that's where our application is coming in. You you don't want to wait until it it crosses that threshold. You're always giving them insight in terms of you know what's what's going on. In within our application, we have even. Um, uh, capabilities like you know when we when we join an inside saying there is a problem with, you know, let's say uh, the viscosity or you know there's a problem with uh, with choking in your in your filter, right? Um, you can actually reject the the user can reject the issue, right? Um saying that, okay, I mean, I see very small uh, change there. It's not big. but then the application is smart enough that, It tracks the issue and in a week it becomes more severe. It will push it back to the user and say, hey, I know you've rejected the issue, but you know, guess what? It is actually becoming more severe. So you might want to take a look at it. So there's a lot of intelligence um, built into it in terms of how uh, we provide early indication. We explain it and let the user decide how useful it is so that ultimately it is, the tool is there to, to be the operator's assistant right um and guide them in terms of you know how to best operate
0: i i think there's even more and and maybe you're already exploring this path but um let me just give you an example of where i see this potentially having a big impact is in the validation process of a line so in the in we'll say in pharmaceuticals we you know validate our line and certain parameters within the line we're not actually validating the products quality we're validating all these other parameters that result in product quality but if they validate a parameter say temperature between 68 and 72 right we'll just say that's a validated number and your mm-hmm. system says hey because of what's going on if you were to make temperature 73 your product quality would go up I, like there's potential to validate the the whole system's capability of resulting in good product as opposed mm-hmm. to the individual values of process parameters
1: yeah absolutely and, and there are two points that you mentioned which are very important there right um the first point is Look, I mean whenever uh, you know a, a unit or a line is shut down and some maintenance or some you know turnaround is happening or maintenance is being done when you bring that unit up you always want to make sure you know what has changed because that is your opportunity to fix problems before they cause you know unplanned downtime or higher maintenance and all that stuff right. So um, and we see quite frequently that you know you take a shutdown, some somebody, you know, fixed a bearing and then they put it in back in and the vibration this vibration is lower, but the vibration on another you know axis has actually increased, right? And would it be nice to identify that right up right away so that you don't actually have a problem down down the line. So that's one thing. The second part which you actually which you alluded to is if my parameters are X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, what is my overall quality going to be? Right. Um, so for example, if you take a boiler, um, what are my there are maybe you know, six controllable parameters that define you know, um, the efficiency of the boiler and that there are controllable. Now the question is, you know, um, am I getting the highest efficiency and are my controllable parameters um, in a way, are, are they set to actually enable me to get that maximum efficiency? And we can also help you um, help the operators, you know, identify that as well.
0: that's really, really cool. Now, you, you also mentioned it's, it's kind of a learning expert, right? And a SME, and it replicates what someone who has just years and years of experience at the line takes to get to a point of just instinctively knowing what to alter, hopefully. Now, with with what's going on in today's climate and, you know, the skills gap that exists and folks moving from company to company and having lots of turnover and all those things, uh, tell me how, how your system helps in that capacity.
1: Absolutely. This is an important uh, phenomenon. I mean, you know, I, I worked um, – I did ten years of industrial data analytics, so I worked with a lot of SMEs, you know, all the way from automotive to pharma to energy to defense and so on. And then, you know, I spent another eight years at GE, where, you know, I, I managed both uh, smart instrumentation and as well as, you know, the asset monitoring software solutions. And I worked with, you know, in my time, I worked with several SMEs in multiple at multiple client facilities. Let me tell you that seventy-five percent of them have already retired. You know, they, they are not there. And in every country where we're working, you know, we see people who are retired um, come on, you know, come in as consultants to help, you know, solve some of these problems. And we also see the, the engineers who are coming in, you know, they are younger, right? Um, and um, they also have an expectation to find answers. I mean, you know, these days, People are used to going on on internet or going on your phone and finding the answer right away, right? And that's kind of the expectation as well. So um, we have clients uh, who are bringing in, you know, graduates into into operations, right? Young graduate engineers into operations. And the management tells us that we don't have five years to train them on the job to get to where they need to be, um, to be comfortable in operations, right? So we have clients who told us directly that we are essentially our solution is helping them uh, become proficient, you know faster because you know the thought process of what patterns are corresponding to what problem, the FMEA, which is built into the application, the recommendations that they're taking, right um, in the automatic update of the recommendations, right? all of these kind of help them, um, you know, understand the problems much better in a more, um, in a more uh, holistic way. And, um, and they also enjoy it. I mean, you know, some of the most uh, strongest uh, proponents of our solutions are actually younger, you know, the new, the fresh um, engineers coming out of their colleges and universities.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I would imagine so. And, and you're, you're closing the gap on something that's always been the hardest part in our technical world, which is to give get enough full understanding of the asset's operation, precisely what it's doing, what the sequence of operation is that tends to be uh, lacking in many cases and is what the 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 best part of a good troubleshooter is right and so right. you're you're closing that gap and i that like it just blows my mind um mostly because all of my intelligence is artificial so i'm happy that that you're solving you're solving this issue um and and so what what are the folks the and you said the younger generation they're kind of they're loving the fact that they work in this space and can begin and quickly get a better understanding of how systems operate. Um, What about on the other end of that spectrum? Are you seeing, and it's fairly common, just a curious question, are you seeing people saying, I don't need that? I mean, I I get those types of answers all the time in my work. Um, Are are you having any any additional effort to get adoption in those spaces?
1: Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, there is a lot of um, talk in the space, right? Um, you know, and, and I can I can totally understand that there's also skepticism, right? Um, and the best way to address it is to show, is to show, you know, how it works, um, how it actually helps you. And uh, once they see that, right, um, I think we, we do... Often see that once you see certain insights that are not easy to identify, or you know, um, um, it, it makes it much faster to identify those. Then um, the adoption is more common, right? Um, so, like I said, you know, there there are going to be cases where uh, people are asking, okay, you know, um, I can I can identify that, yes. But either you have to spend, you know, we have cases where there was an alarm on a, on a turbine, right? Um, and it took them, you know, 12 weeks to identify the root cause. I've seen many projects in plants where they see that there is a product defect, right? Um, and they create a project for that. And you get, you know, you put two engineers on it and they work on it for, you know, maybe two months, three months, right? And even then it's very subjective. And and, and these are the kind of challenges that we see from management where they're trying to, you know, improve the productivity um, and improve essentially the profitability of the operations. That's right. And once they see what we are able to do, uh,
0: it becomes essentially um, very easy. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. And because I think, you know, there's a when they're unable to operate at design rate and at the expected quality, the go to move is to slow the line down, not understand it and make the issues go away and i think you put in place a solution where you know there are there's you know a couple of handfuls of people that are really good at this that can come into a plant and turn its profitability around based on understanding losses and your system takes the human piece of that away and makes recommendations based on a known design rate and quality and what's not happening, right? We didn't succeed. That whatever those parameters were, don't run like that again. Eventually it's going to get it right.
1: Correct. And and you know, one of the common questions that people ask us is, you know, how long does it take for the system to, you know, learn all of that and become, you know, me, right? Or the SME, right? So um, what we have done is we also understand that in the in the operations, right, the failure data is very limited normally, right? Because you know um, you don't expect more than your five percent of the of failures and and very very low rate of um, problems. So what we have done is um, we have a team of subject matter experts, you know, um, who come from various industries who have you know these 30, 40 years of experience in different areas, right? and uh, we used industry databases in terms of, you know, what are the types of failures and what are the type of you know, recommendations, and we, we put all of that in a framework, um, which is called our Inferencing Engine with an application, and that provides you a very strong starting point. And what we're doing is we're automatically building and fine tuning that on top of it so that you, know, you have a very strong starting point, and the more you use, the better it gets. Right. Um, and I think you know, that that's the only way I, I, I cannot see a way where anyone can compile all this knowledge in one shot and say, OK, you know, I got everything right there. It's never going to happen. The only way is to build it incrementally using some kind of you know automation and, and machine learning and deep learning, which is what we're doing.
0: OK. And then so so for the folks out there going, yeah, but we've got, you know, Delta V and we've got. Um, Rockwell and fifty other sol- systems, and we've got this vibration data we're collecting manually. And uh, explain to them how this grabs data from either a central repository like Pi or or something similar, some data lake. How 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 it's not really necessary to to create a one system of data like you know that that it's already there.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we're not replicating any of that,
0: right? Um, so the
1: way um, we explain is, you know, controls is making sure that you know you are getting a certain output, right? Um, if you want to um, get a certain speed or a certain load, right? Um, you know, it doesn't care whether you're operating at the design limit or you're taking more power or you're consuming more steam, right? Um, so controls make sure that you get the output that you want at whatever cost, right? Um, now, what we're looking at is basically, um, are you running the operations at the most optimal point? right? Um, are you, is there an opportunity to reduce your, your power consumption? Is there an opportunity to reduce your fuel consumption? Is there an opportunity to reduce your steam consumption or you know, reduce your failures, right? And do that in a way that is scalable and efficient. And so it's all about real-time operations and how you can optimize your, your O&M basically, right? And when we look at um, you know systems like uh, vibration monitoring, oil testing, right? The way we look at it is, our solution is more like a doctor, right? Um, it, it, you know, the doctor is putting, looking at all the symptoms together, connecting the dots, and telling you know what could be the issue, right? Um, and we look at a frequency, you know, uh, spectrum analysis is like a blood test. Basically, it's it's more a more of a pointed you know test to maybe um, assess in more detail about a specific problem but one of the things that you know customers love about our solution is the way we connect process and reliability the way we connect upstream and downstream equipment right i'll give you a couple of examples i mean you know um, look i mean there could be a motor that is connected to a pump right Um, and the motor is driving the pump or a fan and if you see vibration in the motor Right. Um, and if they're a couple, you can see the vibration also propagate into your your motor or, or, or sorry, into your fan or pump. Right. And if you don't see that holistically, you could start looking at, you know, what's wrong with the bearings in my pump. But it's, there's nothing wrong there, right? Um, and so it's important to connect those. similarly, we had a case where um, you know, there was vibration on a turbine, and the customer thought it was actually something wrong with the bearings. And they spent a lot of time trying to look at instrumentation, the bearings, the maintenance, and all that kind of stuff. And finally, they found that there was essentially a sea leakage that was causing the turbine to you know, operate harder, right? Uh, and because it was trying to join the output uh, with a less efficient operation, it was working too hard to, and that was driving the vibration, right? And so here, it's process connecting the reliability. And I think, you know, these are aspects that are generally missed in point solutions, which are looking at just you know one signal or one aspect, right? In we, as I mentioned, we also don't replicate any of these solutions. We basically are taking if you have a PI, you have a data lake. All our solution does is connect to that, right? Um, and you have a CMMS, we connect to that, right? And we are looking at the data from you know your real time sensor data, analog data, as well as you know your maintenance data too drive those insights and the learning part from that. That's sorry, awkward. It was a long answer but hopefully mm. meaningful.
0: No, uh, it extremely, extremely helpful. Um, Jag, we're kind of winding down here. How do folks find out more information about Uptime AI? So definitely I mean you know you can
1: um, uh, we are at www.uptimeai.com and um, you can also reach out at um, info at uptimeai.com. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. We're on social media. So I'm happy to take any further questions. Uh, there are a bunch of case studies um, online and, you know, we're always we're pretty responsive in coming back and you know, if there are any questions as well. So,
0: And uh, are you going to be uh, live at any particular conferences anytime soon or, or can folks get an opportunity to meet your team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are um, planning a few conferences. We're going to be publishing those on our LinkedIn page, but um, definitely we are um, looking to uh, sponsor some of the conferences, both in the US, Um, we're attending some conferences in Europe and also in Middle East. So um, we're going to be uh, pretty active uh, this year. We're also actively hiring and expanding. so, um, So it's going to be a pretty exciting year.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, Jag, thank you so much for being on Practical Reliability. This has been an extremely informative conversation.
1: Thank you, George. Um, Great to have, uh, great to be here, and looking forward to more interactions in the future.
0: Excellent. For Jag Gantu from Uptime AI, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today.